You are now listening to a member of the Disney Podcast family. Head over to Disney Podcast family on Instagram to see all the latest posts for this show and links to other great Disney podcasts. Welcome to the first episode of Walt's Apartments Mando Mondays. I'm Amber. And I'm Jade. Um, and we're so excited to talk to you about this week's episode of The Mandalorian, Chapter 9. This episode was written and directed by John Favreau. Uh, it was a whopping 52 minutes. And the title, which immediately gave some stuff away for some of us, was The Marshal. Anything you want to mention right off the bat, Jade? Right off the bat, uh, awesome episode. Kind of got to see some things that me personally was not expecting. And they definitely took it in a way that I was not guessing they would based on the trailers. So that was pretty cool how they're always kind of throwing us some curveballs there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the recap at the beginning of the episode from last season, that was well done. They added like a few little tidbits of information that wasn't directly expressed in the first season, like um, that Din Djarin was a part of the Mandalorian Corps. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of seemed like this military type training, maybe that was part of the larger Mandalorian stuff that was happening at the time before they broke off into these smaller um, kind of groups. So that seemed like something new there. And there were a few other things that I didn't write down, but again, we're just doing a quick 10 to 15 (laughs) minute breakdown right now. We're not getting all cray cray. So uh, it opens up with them kind of walking through this dusty, dark town, very Western. So we still Mm -hmm. have that super great space Western vibe happening. What about those strange glowing red eyes? Definitely some kind of nocturnal creature. If I'm remembering correctly, I remember something about that in an episode of The Clone Wars, but I might be mistaken. It might have been, I don't think it was Rebels, actually. I think it was Clone Wars that I'm remembering that from. But yeah, no definite identification on those creatures for me. Some very cool kind of obscure um, alien species in the crowd at the fight Mm -hmm. that maybe we haven't seen before or have been in comics or other kind of materials. So that was also neat. Um, We meet this character. I I didn't catch his name. But the Mandalorian goes to meet to try to find more Mandalorians. And supposedly Mm -hmm. this guy knows a lot about where all the Mandalorians are. And we find out it's because he's been hunting them for the Beskar. Um, So again, reinforcing this Beskar uh, medal is super valuable. Um, And that character is played by John Leguizamo, which I didn't even realize. Like he deepened his voice really well. And even when I watched it again, I was like, that's really him. But yeah, it was kind of neat. Love that character, that guy. So cool. He's in Star Wars now. Um, um, with that fight, you know, whistling birds came out, uh, the child pops his cover, goes back in his little egg and then, you know, a new egg. Yep. A new design. 
Yeah, that's. And then, you know, obviously Mando beats up all the thugs and then takes him out into the dark alleyway and strings him up to get his information that he wants. Uh-huh. Finds out that he should go to Tatooine and then the Mandalorian leaves him there tied up to like a lamppost and you see him walking away and all the glowing eyed creatures kind of closing in on him. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're obviously going to take care of business there because mm-hmm. uh, he's not going to let him live after killing so many of his kind. Oh, no way. So. You get to see more of this character development where later he lets somebody live that has also kind of wronged the Mandalorians in a way, but maybe not as severely. So again, we're kind of, we're figuring out his kind of moral ground, Mm -hmm. like where he, he lies and everything. Um, We see the title of the episode is the Marshall. Like I mentioned Um, that immediately triggered some of what was early speculation about how we might see Boba Fett's armor or something to that effect appear in this series based on um, the episode where we hear the spurs and somebody walk up to the body of that um, assassin character. Mm -hmm. And so that's when the rumors started swirling, like, is this Boba Fett? Could this be Cobb Vanth? who was a character from the books, the Aftermath series that found the armor and took it up on his own. And he was known as the sheriff or the marshal of this town on Tatooine. So both of those theories were floating around last season. And lo and behold, we see the character of Cod Vanth. So he goes to Tatooine, meets with that sweet little mechanic lady. I don't remember her name with the frizzy hair. And she's like, well, it appears a lot has changed. And then he opens up his little bag and there's the child. And she's (laughs) like, oh, she was so happy. She definitely wants a child of her own. If it happens to reproduce, she mentions, (laughs) which is kind of funny. Uh, And so he gets a little more information about where this supposed Mandalorian might be. Goes in search of him. Um, walks into this, you know, very typical bar cantina. Um, and we see a Weequay species, which is what Hondo Anaka is. Mm-hmm. Um, so nice little nod there. Um, and we see the silhouette of this marshal appear. And you immediately recognize him as that actor. Like, you don't have to see his face, see any more about the silhouette of his body. And you immediately recognize that it's Timothy Oliphant, um, who we had known that had been confirmed he was going to be in this uh, season. So that was super cool. Immediately recognized him. You can tell it's kind of an ill-fitting armor that he's wearing. And initially you're looking really closely and you're like, is that Boba's armor? I think Mm -hmm. that's Boba's armor. And then it's absolutely 100% confirmed when he goes to sit down and he takes off the helmet and you see the, the shot mark, the dent in the helmet you get to see the sticker, kind of the logo stuff that's on his armor. That's classic Fett Boba armor. Mm-hmm. So that was awesome. The color schemes, he's still kind of sticking with the red. There's some reds in his outfit. So super neat. Anything to add there that I've missed so far? Nope. Just seemed really westerny when he kind of was riding up on the speeder bike and everybody would kind of was staring at him like in one of the old westerns where an outsider comes to town and everybody just stares at him. Mm-hmm. One thing that kind of made me chuckle. Yeah. I noticed there um, was a lot of uh, costuming 
similar to what we've seen on Tatooine. One person in particular, a lady who goes running um, when the earthquake starts, um, very much looked like Aunt Beru. Mm -hmm. Totally her buns, that kind of iconic image of uh, Luke's aunt. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so they're kind of interrupted in their little back and forth about the armor and and what's to be done about it Mm -hmm. um, by this earthquake. So what what did you initially think was going on when you watched that scene? Honestly, I wasn't sure. I was thinking it could be a number of things, like maybe a large ship was coming into land because sometimes that can kind of cause a little bit of an earthquake effect. But honestly, what happened wasn't really what came to mind first. <laughs> yeah, no, that was not what I was expecting either. I was like, maybe that's like an empire ship. Yeah. Like my mind started going all kinds of different directions. Mm-hmm. Um and then they walk outside, and we clearly see a crate dragon, basically. A huge, huge crate dragon eat a bantha. Which, by the way, the banthas in this episode, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Gorgeously created. Like, however they did the combination of animatronics and animation or whatever it is to create them, beautiful. Yeah, they looked really So good. well done. I now really want a bantha <laughs> to add to the collection here. Uh, so you see the child hide in the spittoon. That was super cute. So very Western again with the little spittoon peeks, peekaboos out of. Um, so they have more dialogue, him and Cobb Vanth, about this crate dragon. And, um, you know, he says he'll make him a deal for the armor if he helps him kill this dragon. Um, so he's like, okay. So again, you get this moment of like character development where he, by all rights, is owed this armor. It's part of his heritage, his people. And so they were going to fight to the death for it, basically. But then he decides maybe this guy is honorable and we should work out a deal instead because I don't want to have to kill him. Right. Mm-hmm. Seems to be some of that stuff happening. Um, so they team up. They also refer to the power vacuum. That happened when the second Death Star blew up and the Empire was gone. And we see a lot of that when you dive deeper into the novels and some of the extra materials like the Clone Wars and Rebels of what happened after the movie when the Death Star blew up. And, you know, gangsters moved into a lot of planets. The Huts took over. Um, the mining guilds took control of planets. You know, and the, you know, one thing the Empire did do was it kind of was the sheriff, so to speak, um, ruling with an iron fist across the galaxy to keep all of these kind of planets or or other powers in check. So when that power vacuum occurs, all kinds of things are going to happen. And that's what the marshal talks about, um, is that armor had really been the key to saving his people in that village from all kinds of threats. Mm-hmm. Uh, you learn about how he gets the armor from the... From some Jawas. Jawas. It was sitting there and he had some crystals and the Jawas really wanted it. So they traded him mm-hmm. for the armor. In a Cantamo. Cantamo. Tano. <laughs> See, I can't even say it now. I remember he actually says the name of that weird little ice cream maker thing that we saw the best car in from season one. Oh, yeah. The Cam Tan. Tan. I don't. Tano. Tano. Kim. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> we all know by now I can't pronounce Jack, but. <laughs> um, but he also says kind of a cool line about both sons 
shine on a womp rat's tail, meaning like good luck, good fortune. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was kind of a cool new line to add to the universe of amazing lines that we get. Um, so then you see him racing across the desert to go hunt down this crate dragon. Mm -hmm. And do you want to talk about the... Oh, yeah. His uh, speeder bike was actually part of a pod racer. So it kind of threw back to like early Anakin years. It kind of looked similar to his. Totally did. Yeah, I was thinking uh -huh. like, what the heck is that part yeah. of Anakin's pod racer? Mm -hmm. From episode one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very similar. Mm -hmm. Pod Good racing job, en engine, yeah. So definitely a little nod there. Yeah. Uh, so they get into this kind of canyon area and these kind of scary looking creatures growl at them. Yeah, they're called massives. And you might remember them from what episode was that? Episode two, I want to. Yeah, episode two of the Star Wars trilogies with Anakin going to the Sand People's kind of camp, and then there was two of those dogs fighting. Well, I guess they're not technically dogs. They're like Kind of like a space dog. dog. Yeah, you yeah, know, something. Kind of. And you just see two of them fighting before Anakin obviously goes in and does his thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those uh, Tusken Raiders, the Sand People, have, uh, you know, bad reputations, but also, you know, they've also been kind of slaughtered by a mm -hmm. lot of people <laughs> that have come to their planet. So, yeah. you know. So we see the Tuscan Raiders appear because uh, Din Djarin kind of talks to the dog, a space dog, a Massifs, mm -hmm. um, and settles him down. And the marshal's like, what the heck? What's going on? Mm -hmm. um, and, of course, we already know Din Djarin speaks the language of the Tuscan Raiders. Um, he did that before. And so he's showcasing again that, that he has this skill, kind of brokers a deal. Um, to team up with the Raiders because they also want to see this crate dragon killed and their numbers don't measure up to be able to do that. Yeah. And they don't have the technology and whatnot to make that happen mm -hmm. on their own. Yeah. Uh, and then there was a really cute scene. I don't know if you noticed it, um, but when they were like around the campfire doing their planning, you see a Tuscan Raider brushing the Bantha's teeth. Oh, no, I didn't see yeah. that. <laughs> Um, yeah, I thought you totally would because you're in the dental industry. I thought that was funny. Um, but it reminded me that the Tuscan Raiders really value the Banthas. Um, they're sacred to their people. Mm -hmm. um, they get bonded with a Bantha as part of like their coming of age ceremony. So if they're a male, they get matched with a young male t uh, Bantha to be kind of theirs for life. Um, so it just kind of showcased how important Banthas were to them. Because later you see that they go and they stake out Banthas um, as kind of like an offering to the Crate Dragon to appease them. And so how much that meant to them as a people to sacrifice like that was a big deal. And it kind of wasn't really working to sate the dragon anymore. Mm -hmm. So they venture to where the Sarlacc Pit is. Um, and there's mention of it being an abandoned Sarlacc Pit where this dragon lives. And Din Jaren makes a comment to the marshal about, well, the marshal said, you know, I've never seen an abandoned oh. Sarlacc pit. And he's like, well, <laughs> they, it is if they get eaten. Mm -hmm. And that's like one of the things that the crate dragon is known for, too, is eating Sarlaccs. Mm -hmm. So kind of super cool. All these little things tie back in together. Um, they make note that the... 
uh, crate dragons bigger than expected. You know, and the marshal's mm-hmm. like, that's not to scale. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, it's to scale. <laughs> and so they're going to need reinforcement. So you get this classic kind of teaming up happening between the villagers and the sand people and kind of brokering a peace. Um, definitely when they get to the battle with the dragon, thought it was very fantasy vibed, very like Game of Thrones kind mm-hmm. of classic dragon. Not like Star Wars dragon, but like real dragon. Like instead of breathing fire, it breathes acid on them. Yeah, I was like, I assume it's like a stomach acid. I would, I would guess. I I looked it up. It's venom. Oh, yeah, that's okay. what they call it. Is it's venom? They also have milk, which is really trippy to think about. But hmm. I didn't really dive down that hole much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So they have the typical battle. You know, mm-hmm. things are not going well Mm -hmm. their initial plan doesn't work um uh you get to see both him and Cobb Vanth use their jetpacks to maneuver Mm -hmm. around that was neat um and then uh Din Djarin gets eight he like uses himself as bait kind of yeah you kind of see that you kind of see that he has some kind of plan because he sends the marshal flying off when mm-hmm. he hits his jetpack, and then you see that the banta behind him has a bunch of explosives on it. And then when it starts to run, he starts pulling on it, making sure it doesn't go anywhere. So, kind of think something might be yep. happening here. Yep. And then he gets eight, and you're like, oh, ah, yeah, like, oh no, <laughs> this isn't good. Um, but then he uses his little electrifying end of his rifle mm-hmm. um, to escape, similar to how he stunned other larger creatures with that weapon before. Yep. Um, and in the very beautifully shot scene, you know, of like the hero prevailing, he flies and like slides across the sand, like in this landing maneuver, and then boom, it blows up behind him, you know, like <laughs> super action packed little moment there. Um. But I also feel like maybe that moment of him escaping the crate dragon was also a nod to Boba possibly having escaped the Sarlacc pit. Yeah, with but his weapons. Yeah, the one thing is that wouldn't have been the same Sarlacc pit. Like I initially had yeah. that thought. I was like, yeah. maybe the crate dragon ate that Sarlacc and Boba escaped somehow. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, no, that Sarlacc pit was like a cave kind of to the side, not a pit in the ground. So. Mm-hmm. There's still kind of a nod, I think, Mm -hmm. all kind of tying that in. We don't, you know, we don't get a whole lot of details for some of the elements of the stories. You just kind of have to read into them and what we've known in Legends or other canon material to maybe surmise maybe the way some things happen. Yeah. Um, But then, so the Tusken Raiders are harvesting the crate Dragon's meat and you see like this chunk of flesh Mm -hmm. that Baby Yoda's like gnawing on. And or not, baby Yoda, the child. Excuse yeah. me, to use official terms here. Um, and then they find this giant pearl, which mm-hmm. crate dragons, I guess, have pearls. Reminded me a little bit of the scene with the Jawas and the egg. Yeah, suka suka. When he's holding <laughs> it up, like <laughs> all excited. <laughs> yeah, and then you just kind of pan away as you see the Mandalorian, uh, you know, heading back to his ship. Um, and there's this kind of, um, shadowy image. Yeah. First you see a kind of a figure just watching him from the distance after he obviously gets the marshal's armor and takes off with that. And he's on his speeder bike and you kind of just see a silhouette that kind of looks like, oh, it's kind of like a dingy person, you know, has some type of weapon that kind of looks like a 
sand person's yep, weapon. Uh-huh. Yep, yep, yep. And then he turns around, and it's an all it's, too familiar face. Yes, you might recognize it from the Clone Wars movies. All of the clones bear the same face, which raises the question of Boba. Whose face is it that mm-hmm. we see? Yeah, um, but it's pretty scarred up. Yeah, like it could have some scarring from maybe being in a Sarlacc pit. Exactly. And the age seems possibly too young to be a clone because clones have the accelerated growth. Well, remember in the movie how he said he wanted an unaltered clone for himself. So there would be no growth acceleration. So it would line up age-wise. Yes. So, and the spur noise when he goes to walk away, very Mm -hmm. much still in line with Boba. Um, and possibly that shadowy figure that we saw in season one approaching the assassin. So maybe they've teamed up somehow because we know we're going to see her character again, that she survived. Mm-hmm. So it only raises one question. Why did Boba, if it is Boba, which I mean, it likely is, mm-hmm. didn't go get his armor. Yeah, exactly. And why has he just stuck around on Tatooine then that whole time? Yep. Like, what What else could be happening that we don't know about? Exactly. What's so. going on behind the scenes? Yeah. So, some of these, Boba especially, was something that had kind of been rumored. We didn't expect some of these reveals until later in the season. But kind of sticking with their typical, now, pattern, they give us something big at the end of the first episode of the season. Just like they did with the child. Mm-hmm. And now we get Boba. So... They've done a good job kind of hooking us with a big reveal in the first episode, which we can assume is only going to lead to more cool reveals later. Yeah. So, all right. So that's pretty much our quick, we're trying to keep it quick, (laughs) recap of The Mandalorian Season 2, Chapter 9. Uh, please follow us on social media and get the latest. Uh, we do a live broadcast, um, video broadcast on social media on Wednesdays with the entire Waltz Apartment cast. Um, and we'd love to see you there as well. But stay tuned every Monday during The Mandalorian Season 2 uh, for a quick recap with <laughs> Jade and I. And don't forget, Mando Monday also means that new merch is going to be released. So if that's something you're interested in, go check yes. it out. MandoMondays.com. Um, also, StarWars.com has all the information. Speaking of merch, we just got our little animatronic baby Yoda, um, the child, from pre-order. And it's teeny tiny. It looks like a premature little baby size. It's so adorable. We posted a quick video of it on my Facebook page, Amber Atin Cosplay. Go check it out. And have a good week, everyone. May the force be with you.